0: words on water
1: words on water welcome to take it from the top a podcast series that offers nuggets of wisdom from notable leaders in the water sector to help you navigate your way through the tangle of challenges you face today. I am Tom Kunitz, your host, and my guest today is WEF president, Rick Warner. Rick, welcome.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Tom. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Great to have you here, uh, uh, Rick. Uh, You know, Rick, I was thinking, I, I go walking around the neighborhood to get a little bit of exercise, and uh, to think sometimes and uh, get out of the house from sheltering. Walking around the neighborhood, I see these signs in people's yards. There's signs in the apartment windows, sometimes scrawled on the sidewalk in chalk. And the sign says this, we're all in this together. Uh, do you see something like this where you're at in Reno, Rick?
0: Yeah, Tom, very similar. Uh, we're all in this together. And I'm hopeful that we're always going to emerge even stronger and you know, more together as society. But certainly in Reno and Tahoe area, just like seemingly everywhere else, Tom, the challenges are just daunting. Social unrest, public health crisis with coronavirus, and these severe economic hardships are just affecting everyone. So yes, I'm very hopeful though, we're going to emerge and we're gonna be even more together in the future.
1: So that's, yeah, that's great that we're all in this together. And like you said, it makes us stronger. But as I think about this, it's kind of a uh, deceptively complex um, um, concept because, you know, at first glance, it reminds us we're all in this together, we're all suffering the same, we've lost our social lives, and uh, we're all protecting ourselves against the virus and so on. But on deeper reflection, there's more at work here. And I would maybe go so far as to say that we're all in this together, even puts an obligation on each of us to become aware that there are others that are part of this together. And to maybe even be aware, we're not all suffering in the same way. Some people suffer more than others, right? Some people have different needs than others, more extreme challenges. So it's this word together that I want to focus on for our theme today. And I'd like to think of as a call to action because we each have a responsibility to look beyond ourselves and remember that others do exist, right? And if we are indeed together, then that means we are connected. And therefore our actions impact other people because we're connected, for better or for worse. And therefore to get through this together, there has to be a commitment to support each other in that connectedness. And this is where I think it's perfect to talk to you about this concept that we're all in this together because that was this theme of your presidency when you're president of WEF is your presidency was partnering for impact and partnering that's that's a form of togetherness so I want to hear a little bit about how you came upon this theme of partnering for impact.
0: Well Tom first those are great statements by you so I want to acknowledge your insights there but you're right um I was president in 2016 2017 and these are really fantastic times you know we had just come out of sort of a a national economic recession. There was sort of a a movement in economy and people were sort of able then to focus in on what we were describing as the next grand challenge in water. Where is the sector going? Uh, What's the next big thing that we need to maybe work on together? These were also very exciting times, things that you were very well engaged with Tom, on resource recovery, energy recovery, biofuels, Potable reuse was really being embraced by water professionals and communities, and there were other big things going on. There was climate change, sea rise, uh, things that, Tom, you've worked on, algae and biofuels, very exciting things, right? But as me and others, and I would acknowledge you, Tom, you were part of these early conversations, along with our dear friends, Eileen O'Neill and Ralph Exton, you know, there was sort of a small group that was sort of talking and the things that we were talking about is what's the next big challenge? And it's likely, let's, let's address that, not in the sense of WEF or what we're interested in, but maybe as the greater community. It could be the community of the US or the communities that you live in or the community of the water sector, but it was the ideal that working something on something big and challenging together uh, would move the water sector along so much faster and more effectively. So the idea of partnering was just about really recognizing big challenges, then also recognizing it's gonna take more than a small group to sort of meet that challenge and move the water sector and the communities further along. Tom, you've, you've shared with me this African proverb. It's probably better coming from you. You're You're far more brilliant on these things, but if you wanna go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far you go together and that's sort of the guiding principle behind all of this stuff. Uh,
1: Right in fact I you're right I was very fortunate to be part of that that board of trustees when when you were president and to be part of that event when you you said okay this is bigger than just a few people can do so how Mm -hmm. can we get that impetus how can we get that momentum going to make some changes so I'd like you to talk to us about uh, this. We had this very special, one-of-a-kind event in 2016 in San Francisco that you organized called Partnering for Impact. So why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about that event?
0: Well, just maybe to start with the logistics. You mentioned we met in San Francisco. Um, we had nearly 50 attendees from 15 national organizations that included, of course, WEF, we also had AWWA there, the Water Reuse Foundation, the Water Research Foundation was there. We had organizations from Canada, including the British Columbia Water and Wastewater Association, Bluetech, Imagine H2O, and you know many Bay Area California utilities were represented. So we had a big group. Um, we met over two days, which was very challenging. And as you remember, Tom, to go into a meeting really with no agenda other than, is there something big that we can all take on together? That's a kind of a daunting question. It's too open-ended for many people. And certainly as sort of the the named organizer, I was very anxious about that. Mm -hmm. But that was the idea about having you and another sort of leadership team around us that kind of helped us you know, give us comfort and safety to ask these big questions. And I was just so impressed with the, the response that everyone that came was very engaged. We kind of let our sort of main organizational duty and hat aside, you know, I didn't go as the West president. I just went as somebody that's engaged in the water sector and was looking for us to together maybe take on some other big challenge or big grand challenge in water.
1: You know, uh, you were talking about, like you said, you didn't really know what the outcome was going to be. And and as a participant, Rick, I I can attest to that. We had all this energy. We had all these great people from across the country and Canada, and it was very exciting. The energy's there. And at the same time, we're like, what's going to happen? (laughs) We we, we didn't know where this is going to lead to. We didn't know what the outcomes were going to be. Exactly. And
0: and that honestly, that made me very anxious um, about being one of the, the organizers. But I also knew that if you bring in great people together, um, you give time to have some honest dialogue time. You can build trust and friendships. And then you really, um, even though you're a convener, you're there to listen and really understand what other folks are being challenged or what they identify as big challenges. And so if you take your time and really sort of frame up the meeting as first an assessment, you really carefully want to listen, with open, you know, with open thought about what other people are thinking, then sort of some of these grand solutions sort of can elegantly happen um, without sort of a forced agenda. You can only imagine, you know, you're, you're an engineer, Tom, so am I. Many times you go into a meeting, you know, and you're, you have a very expected outcome or desired outcome. So it's very uh, unnatural to kind of go into a meeting with just some more questions and sort of um, solutions so, and that that was really
1: a nice way of going about it too but we but we did end up with some outcomes so it was pretty exciting the things that did come out so why don't you talk about those
0: so th- yeah again this is uh you can only imagine we have nearly 50 people after two days so we had lots of ideas being generated and that's a good word to think about it was much more of a generative meeting than it was sort of a you know a planning type meeting it was creation of new ideas, but after all of that work, you sort of have to synthesize things down because w- the question is, are there things we can work on together? So we needed some sort of concrete things to to leave the meeting with. We left with three themes. There were a lot of folks that recognized we needed a, a moonshot, something that really galvanized the water sector, you know this Uh, Perhaps this is a a grand idea that we have a a shared vision for water that was articulated, or we others were articulating that we needed a a U.S. water policy. We could all work on that together. We recognized, though, that that was sort of maybe too far aspirational, that we really needed maybe some grounding around uh, visionary leadership and organizational culture shift. So that was really the first theme that came out of it, Tom, visionary leadership. The second one that folks really jumped on was creating this positive story about water. You know, there's plenty of sad stories, Flint and Milwaukee and other examples where things have not gone so great uh, in water communities. So we really thought we would create a much more positive story about water. Tom, here's the, the outcome has sort of come to fruition. Um, The person that probably left San Francisco most engaged was Paul O'Callaghan, CEO of Bluetech. Incidentally, I was in London last year at the Bluetech conference and Paul sort of rolled out the early version of Brave Blue Water, which you, uh, Brave Blue World, Tom, in which right. you starved,
1: you and Matt Damon. <laughs> well, don't forget about Liam Neeson, the narrator now. we, don't, we don't want to take I, I any saw any you from on Liam. the
0: credits uh, right up there with <laughs> Hollywood superstars. But I was so proud in this London event that Paul recognized this, this first partnering event in San Francisco as that catalyst to create a positive story about water. So that was the second big thing. The third best thing that we came out of San Francisco with, was the idea that we intentionally need to accelerate innovation in the water sector. You know, we talk about it a lot, resource recovery and other big initiatives, but fundamentally we knew that maybe the grand idea was that each agency pledge 1% of their revenue toward research and development and maybe pledge that money to their local university or research foundation, or, you know, just do their own in-house pilot testing, but really be much more intentional about accelerating innovation in the water sector.
1: And, and uh, since that time, and those, those are three really big, exciting, inspirational uh, outcomes, as you were talking about. And since then, you've continued, I know, to hold these Partnering for Impact uh, workshops uh, along the way. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the, uh, maybe give us one example of a success story from these Partnering for Impact forums. You know, it's this idea where we're all in this together, it's put to the test and we see an outcome.
0: Right, um, So. Real quick, we've, we have continued on with these partnering events. We've met in Chicago and D.C. and back here in Reno, where I live, and these annual events now have grown to almost 200 people with lots of collaborating organization as well, and not just you know the smaller group, but we've really reached out to other research hubs in California and Suez is a big sponsor and so forth. But I could say that one of the early successes is really back here home with me, um, back here in Nevada. Nevada is the most arid state in the nation. Every drop of water counts. And so, of course, one of the earliest group to be engaged in partnering for impact were my own colleagues here in Nevada. And what they found out and were inspired by Tom is that, again, going together, they could probably solve big community problems much sooner than if they went alone. the earliest success was creating One Water Nevada, which is actually eight agencies that have come together to really set themselves up to take on uh, future challenges. And their first initiative they took on was a potable reuse study within the Northern Nevada area.
1: So let me get, let me get this clear, Rick, because you're talking about, you said eight agencies, we're talking public agencies. Right. And it's hard enough to get two public agencies to get together. And cooperate. And you were successful in getting eight public agencies to partner and cooperate.
0: Yeah, eight agencies that are engaged in managing water in some way in Northern Nevada. And you know, you, you're a public agency person, Tom, yourself. Sometimes jurisdictions can be competitive and counterproductive. So bringing them together wasn't just bringing them together. We were kind of brought them together in a way that makes sense and really started to work on some foundational leadership type things with them. And they, they've taken off uh, with great success. It's not just the public works agencies and staff together, but it's nice then to go to public meetings, council meetings, commission meetings, and see leadership within this community really recognize this initiative, One Water Nevada, to bring people together and start solving big community issues around water.
1: So why don't you tell us something, uh, you know, that you've solved like that, this One Water Nevada initiative, what did that lead to?
0: So the first big thing that the region wanted to take on was to evaluate if potable reuse made sense in northern Nevada. So again, these are big initiatives and high risk. So together, eight agencies were evaluating potable reuse. In fact, we're still in the later stages of a uh, four-year feasibility study we're spending about 10 million dollars but what we do is we have uh eight agencies and we have staff from all the people of uh, each group and they've all come together as a team so this one water nevada is really a larger team as well that was a great success and then they the agencies sort of took that to the next level they formalized this initiative under the university of nevada reno and created a research hub called the nevada water innovation institute and each one of these agencies then pledged money to the university and there was other funding available and now they've created sort of a brick and mortar type thing called the nevada water innovation institute which is really poised to again keep keep this momentum of solving big regional problems together
1: um, and that and 's truly uh, we 're all in this together this this all in this together concept, and as we started talking about at the beginning we 're all in this together is more than just about recognizing all well you know we 're all kind of suffering together, but it has to the awareness there has to be an awareness of the fact that not everybody has the same needs or not everybody has the same perspective so uh, you know how do you how do you work with that partnership in in getting this um, getting these eight different people or the the people that are part of the institute to drive projects when you may have multiple perspectives?
0: That's a good question, Tom. Again, I guess the easiest answer is that I guess we've been fortunate that the projects that we've been selected are regional that each agency uh, wants to see success on. I didn't say, though, that each agency contributes the same. So if If one particular group or a few agencies feel like a particular project is really of interest, they'll probably dedicate more resources, where on maybe something else we've got um, another agencies taking the lead. But nonetheless, we're all in this together, as you said. Um, The other part of it is, at the Institute, it's led by our dear friend, Krishna Pegila. He's the director of the Water Innovation Institute. So he has just a tremendous amount of community support around him too so the selection of your leadership too is really important and making sure that you're very credible uh, within the organization and then how you project out your leadership through the community
1: is vital too so so that you know talking about being credible and projecting this leadership that that leads me to this uh something else i've been really wanting to talk to you about when you were president of WEP, you talked about this concept called uh, institutional legitimacy. So can you talk a little bit, because I think that this does tie into the same concepts that we've been talking here in terms of partnership. We're all in this together, talking about trust, awareness of other people's needs, a commitment. So talk to us about this concept of institutional legitimacy.
0: It's a great concept, Tom. It's a great talking point as well. I I came familiar with the the term legitimacy in my work around potable reuse and i what i discovered are that there's people out there that are actually looking at the social science of public acceptance around potable reuse you know we can produce essentially pure distilled water from potable reuse technology but it's the public acceptance is is really the key so what researchers have found and i've been able to study quite quite extensively is This word legitimacy really comes back to the trust and transparency that an organization intentionally goes after with their community. They want to make sure that the community views them as a leader, trustworthy, transparent, an organization that can be viewed upon as a true leader of the community and stewards of public health. So legitimacy and leadership around these projects is essential for success,
1: Tom. So this is, this is interesting because those very concepts you're talking about are the things that we need now as we're facing this pandemic and this COVID-19 pandemic. You. And this, you talked about trust and transparency, and that creates the, 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 the public and then feel, okay, this agency or this group or this person is somebody that I can trust. Um, with what's being said. And it seems like it's so important, For whatever agencies, we're around the country, people have different needs, approaching things differently, but ultimately it comes down to this trust and transparency and that creates the institutional legitimacy that you're talking about. Um, so you're right, how,
0: and I, I, I was right. just gonna add to that, Tom, if I could, it just, it, I think it's really important too that when we are talking to the public, engineers are often out talking about public health issues obviously around drinking water and these reuse uh, programs have a lot to do with public health and so having leaders out there and i would suggest having engineers and other public agency officials go out to the public regularly really create that communication directly with your stakeholders and not rely on you know, public agencies or uh, groups that, you know, help you with marketing or public communication, really go out there authentically on your own and communicate directly with your stakeholders. Make sure that they recognize that you're a person of integrity and trust. Uh, You give them straight answers. Um, If they can't answer the question, you come back with them next time and answer their questions over time. And you just kind of build up a a very good rapport with people over time. And this makes things about communicating strategies on uh, COVID response or potable reuse or drinking water quality. You have done some foundational work with your stakeholders, therefore you've gained or hopefully have gained their trust over time.
1: Rick that's just such a powerful statement of what you just said that i that I want to repeat this because I think oftentimes folks will say well let's get the uh, that PR expert out there let's get that person who's uh, you know communication expert, and what you are saying is no you've got to get the the actual engineer scientist the public health person, the expert to be that face of the organization to provide that credibility to provide that legitimacy, which means that that we uh, on the lines that do this have to step up, step our, our game if we want to be, as you say, authentic and, and transparent to the, uh, to the public. So I'm going, to, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit now on you, Rick. And I know you're very busy these days as the program director at the uh, Nevada Water Innovation Institute that you just talked about. And you are also program coordinator for the uh, One Water Nevada. So in these roles, I know you spend a lot of time on the campus of University of Nevada Reno, and um, which is uh, uh, your alma mater too. Uh, so I'm sure you interact with a lot of very exciting, energetic, uh, go-getter, you know, students out there, and they come up to you, oh, Mr. Warner, Mr. Warner, uh, can you give me some advice for, uh, you know, I'm getting my job, and uh, what should I do? Can you give me a little advice? So what would you say to somebody like that?
0: Well, Tom, I, you're spot on. I, I do really appreciate the opportunity to be engaged with my alma mater. It's a, it's a great opportunity. Um, And you do get uh, familiar and engaged with some younger professionals and students. And you're right, most frequently the conversations are about seeking advice. You know, the student he or her have been offered a terrific opportunity to continue their education or maybe enter the workforce for their first job. And so they do come to me sometimes and ask for advice, you know, what do you think? What about this institution or this firm? And what I always come back to them and say, I can't really dive into your understanding of your financial needs or your aspiration to move on for your education. Those are deeply personal decisions. But what I advice I normally give to a young person, Tom, is if they can take a little bit of a pause, step back and think about the organization that they want to join or they're considering joining. And I ask them to look beyond the financial aspects of it or the logistics, but look into the cultural aspects. Ask about the organization, is there a good mentorship there? Um, Is there a good track record of diversity and inclusion when they go to an organization? Will it be the, will there be an intentional program to onboard young professionals so they can advance their career? And will there be opportunities within that firm or institution to advance the young professionals sort of professional needs you know, continuing on, hopefully they look at WEF as one of their organizational, professional organizations they wanna join, or maybe there's another that they're interested in, but hopefully where they're going will honor that and respect that this, young person needs some growth opportunities and a great culture around them to really advance their career. Uh,
1: that's really great advice, Rick. Uh, something uh, that I hope the, uh, the folks out there think about, and, and even whether you're a young person or a seasoned professional, that you're in an organization that the culture is in alignment with, with your own needs, as you said. Uh, something that uh, in the past we, we didn't really think much about, but what a difference it makes in terms of us being able to fulfill uh, uh, and, and really being the, the best person that we can be, and giving us this, that uh, that environment that allows us to be the best that we can be. Really great stuff, Rick. Some uh, really memorable stuff here, and uh, appreciate you coming and joining us and taking your time to be on the program. And um, and I hope folks here have now have some new thoughts uh, to ponder about this this simple phrase, but very deep phrase. We're all in this together. So past president of WEF, Rick Warner, thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks, Tom. It's
1: great to have you. This is your host, Tom Kunitz, asking you to keep listening to WEF's Words on Water podcast and to our next episode of Take It from the Top. And until next time, be positive and please stay negative.
0: Words on Water.